What's going on, everybody, and welcome into another edition of B Shave Daily. Brendan Schaefer along with you here on Tuesday, June 14th, early morning hours, following a Cardinals winner on Monday from Bush Stadium. The Cardinals beat the Pirates 7 to 5 in what was a pretty exciting comeback down at the ballpark. Seven unanswered runs scored by the Cardinals against the Pirates to climb back into it and ultimately get the victory. As it was Zach Thompson, the left-hander on the hill for the Cardinals today, making his first major league start. The Cardinals have used him out of the bullpen prior to Monday, but this was his first start. Didn't go great. Got through five innings, gave up five runs. And the fifth inning, things really kind of began to unravel a little bit for him, where he gave up four of the five runs that he allowed there in that fifth inning which allowed the Pirates to get that 5 nothing lead. But the Cardinals were able to battle back offensively with a five-run sixth inning, and then they scored runs in the seventh and eighth as well to put them over the top and get the win in the first game of this series. And Tuesday's got the doubleheader coming up against the Pirates, and then they'll play another game on Wednesday. So four games in three days here for this series. And mentioned... On the last episode of B-Shape Daily that I posted earlier on Monday, which was an excerpt from, or a segment, I should say, from the big show on KTGR from Monday afternoon, talked exclusively Cardinals baseball in that segment, and so I decided to throw it on to the B-Shape Daily podcast feed, get you guys a little bit of exposure to a voice other than my own, talked with Andy Humphrey, my co-host over on the big show for that, so scroll back in your podcast feed if you'd like to hear more about that. Talked about Andrew Kisner and thought it was interesting that Ali Marmol, after Sunday's loss, was asked about the Cardinals catching situation and the offensive production the Cardinals were getting from the catching spot not really being up to snuff so far this season. And Marmol decided to specifically name Andrew Kisner as a guy that he wanted to see more from offensively. And so we talked about that a little bit. Kisner had a fine night at the plate on Monday, which is interesting to see. That's the kind of response that they get after kind of calling him out a little bit. I think that's fair to say. But Kisner went one for three and also had a successful sacrifice bunt in the eighth inning that led to another run. He didn't get the RBI on the play, but the throw was wide to first base. And so he reached and and was alert and running to second base. He ended up trading places with the base runner that he was trying to sacrifice over. Instead, that ended up being a run. Directly gave the Cardinals a little bit of insurance as they get the 7-5 to win. I said in that podcast that I was going to look forward to talking a little bit more about Harrison Bader from over the weekend and the fact that he was benched in that game on Saturday, mid-game. Ali Marmol did not like what he saw in in terms of effort from Harrison Bader in a couple of instances in that game. And so I'll briefly touch on that here, but if you'd like to hear more about just the uh, strategy, I think that the Cardinals manager is using this year and maybe how that's a little different from what past managers for the Cardinals have done. Mike Schilt, Mike Matheny. I think Ali Marmol is a, a breath of fresh air in a few different ways. And so we talked about that a little bit on Monday's big show, but Let's get into the game from Monday night as the Cardinals managed to get it done with a late rally. 
And after the weekend, and really you could go back to the Tampa Bay Rays series last week, where I could say the Cardinals offensively haven't quite been getting the job done. Sunday, they scored their most runs of, I want to say, their previous six games prior to to Monday's game, that is, because they scored six runs, but that was a loss in the 7-6 loss on Sunday. Bullpen couldn't keep it where it was. Cardinals gave up some runs late and then weren't able to get back in that one. Juan Yepes hit the ninth inning homer on Sunday. Wasn't enough to put him back over the top. Cardinals lose that game 7-6. But apart from that one, the offense had been in a little bit of a lull, certainly in the, the Tampa Bay series when they scored just a collective six runs across those three games. And then you get the win on Friday over the Reds, but that was a 2 nothing game. Both runs scoring off of errors in that first inning on Friday. And so... Not a lot offensively in that one either. Saturday, you get the late heroics from Tommy Edmond. The walk-off home run was great to see. But uh, apart from getting it done late, the Cardinals offensively, again, in that game, weren't really uh, consistent throughout. But if they're getting it done late, they're getting it done. That's that's really what it boils down to. And now with, with Monday's win, we see the Cardinals once again come from behind. And, and even Sunday, they mounted a little bit of a charge with Juan Yepes hitting the homer. Got him within a run, but they just weren't able to cap it off. Albert Pujols ended that game with a, a pretty rough strikeout, which you don't usually see from him, but that's how Sunday concluded. But for the Cardinals on Monday, getting to seven runs, seven unanswered, it was pretty impressive what they did in that sixth inning where nine men came to the plate. They got six hits, three of them for extra bases, Two doubles in the home run by Dylan Carlson. Big time to see Dylan Carlson from the right side hitting a homer against a lefty, driving the ball to the opposite field, hit it to right center. That was impressive to see. And that was at a moment in the game, too, where it just sort of snuck up on you that the Cardinals were going to tie this game. Because at the beginning of that inning, it started by Paul Goldschmidt in the sixth, which cannot say enough good things about Paul Goldschmidt. He had the on-base streak come to an end on Sunday, did not reach base after doing so successfully for 46 games in a row, equal to his uniform number. But then it's just the next day he turns the page. It was never a consideration for him. I joked about how he said back in May when he was asked once about the the two streaks that he had going, the hitting streak, the on-base streak. He said, I don't care about either of those. And he means it. He doesn't. It's just not a focus for him. He's a team first guy and team second, team third. It's just the individual accolades. It just doesn't occur to him, which is why it would be so thrilling, I think, to see him if he were to win the National League MVP award. He would be super deserving of it with the way that he's played so far this season. But it would just, you know, it's just you don't get to see Paul Goldsmith really uh, relish talking about himself ever. And so today it was Paul Goldsmith's individual efforts that helped lead to some really good team results for the Cardinals Reached base four times on Monday, did Paul Goldsmith. He walked, then he singled, and then coming up in the sixth inning, again, that's in a 5 nothing game. You're trying to find a way to, to climb back into one after your rookie starting pitcher didn't get, you know, the, the kind of success that you were maybe hoping. And he pitched okay. Zach Thompson pitched okay, but then the the fifth innings, things, uh, things started to kind of unravel on him 
They didn't really have anybody up in the bullpen either, and so it was going to be his inning, and he had given up a number of hits, and then Michael Chavis really tagged him for a three-run homer that that changed the complexion of the game, at least for a little while, because at that point it was just 2 nothing. You figure if he can get out of the inning at two or three runs allowed on the day, that's a, a pretty productive day for him. It wasn't to be, though. Chavis got him, and Chavis had been hit in the face by a throw trying to the first baseman for the Pirates trying to complete a double play earlier in the game and a hopper from second base kind of popped up and, and I think it hit him in the eye in the face area he ended up staying in the game obviously and hitting the home run his sixth of the year for three runs for the Pirates there in that fifth and so that made it five nothing and now you're thinking oh boy this is not a Pirates team that you really want to be down five runs to it's just You know, they're one of the kind of viewed as one of the lesser teams in the division. Although, right now, at least coming into tonight, I don't know about the other results across the NL Central, but they were third in the division coming into tonight, which was interesting just because of the profound struggles that they have had over the years. But Zach Thompson ends up staying in after giving up that homer in the fifth. Ali Marmol said, We just needed innings. We needed it. We needed him to finish that inning and try to got through it, but he was able to get the next two batters out, but that was his line, five innings, five runs. I believe all of them were earned, and so puts the Cardinals in a little bit of a bind. Credit to TJ McFarland there in the top of the sixth inning to throw a scoreless inning, and that set it up. The big rally in the sixth. Paul Goldschmidt leads off with the double, just continuing to to mash baseballs his 20th double of the season, and it was a, a, a good rip to right kind of right center, center field, 20th double of the year. Nolan Arenado had a, a little bit of a tough luck night. After Goldsmith, he he had a line out, and he also hit one sharply in the first inning that went for a double play. So Arenado's 0 for 4 with 5 left on base doesn't look very good, but he, he appears to be putting good swings on the ball. So I'm looking for Nolan to find a way to kind of get into a groove here before too long. That OPS is sitting at 836. That's lower than I believe it was for him last year, lower than uh, he expects it to be for himself. And so it would be really great for the Cardinals to see him more consistently kind of get out of the little bit of a slide that he's been in. And and I guess I don't even have to qualify it by saying little bit. He's been in a slide. He's had games here and there more recently that have been better, but certainly over, you know, since that first month of the season when he was the uh, player of the month in the National League for April. He's come down uh, considerably since then, but I'm telling you, did like the way he was swinging the bat in the game today, just did not get rewarded for that. And so see what it looks like for him tomorrow in the doubleheader potentially, uh, whether he plays both games. He did not play defensively tonight, and so I think that may be uh, something they did in preparation to try to get him in for both games tomorrow. We shall see. It was Brendan Donovan at third place, and he turned in a, a, a for sure web gem. So Brendan Donovan just continuing to do a really nice job for the Cardinals in so many regards. He does it defensively. He does it offensively. Had a, a pretty good night at the plate again tonight. Had one double where, of course, the uh, helmet flies off his head as he's rounding first base and heading to second. He was on base three times, reached uh, with, with three base hits, three for four, two RBIs, and a run scored. 310, the batting average for Brendan Donovan on the season with an OPS at 855, just continuing to do a really, really nice job. Paul Goldschmidt talked tonight about the preparation being a key factor for Brendan Donovan that sets him apart, and it's allowing him, in in the opinion of Goldschmidt, to not only have success right now, 
but he said that he's going to be able to sustain that kind of success for a long time because when you have that kind of preparation that he sees from Brendan Donovan, from a rookie player, you prepare like that, the hits are going to come. It's it it's not going to be easy to have prolonged slumps because of the, the work he puts in before to make sure he's ready. And he does that not only offensively, but defensively as well. I think there's maybe something to be said for like the job that Paul DeYoung has been doing in Memphis has got an OPS above 800, I believe now with, with the triple a team and he's putting good swings on the ball, hitting the ball the opposite way, which is, is kind of a hallmark of when Paul DeYoung is going right. And I look at the roster right now, I don't know that you can take Brendan Donovan out of the lineup. I mean, you can't. you got to have him in there every day. And he's the utility guy. He's kind of what the Tommy Edmond role used to be when Colton Wong was here and they had Edmond kind of playing a little bit of everywhere. But I'm looking at the Edmundo Sosa roster spot, and to me, Paul DeYoung, I, I would make that. If I knew that Edmundo Sosa would not get claimed, I would make that move tomorrow. I would bring up Paul DeYoung. I think it's I think it's about time to see if he can maybe uh, allow some of the success he's had in Memphis to translate to the big league level. But the problem is, Amundo Sosa out of options, and so if you do run that risk, then you don't maybe have a Triple A shortstop the way you want. If he ends up getting claimed on waivers, you don't want to lose Amundo Sosa. But again, he's hitting 198, 491 batting average. He came into the game late as a substitution on Monday's game. Did not get a hit over one. He's batting below 200. I, I think I think that's kind of a move that they may have to consider at some point. But again, they never like to lose a guy when they're potentially exposed to waivers as Sosa would be. But something I wanted to mention to kind of keep in mind a little bit, uh, Harrison Bader did not start tonight in preparation for believing he will maybe play both games tomorrow, it sounds like, on the Tuesday doubleheader. Bader, though, did come in as a pinch hitter for Nolan Gorman at one point in the game and ended up taking a couple of at-bats. It was interesting to hear after the game that Oliver Marmol said that's a move that he wouldn't make again if he had it to do over again. Uh, Bader ended up pinch hitting in that sixth inning. He was the ninth man to come to the plate. Edmund has had just doubled uh, and, and was on base and scoring position there, and Bader came in. And uh, interesting after the game, Ollie said, yeah, that was one that sometimes you make the wrong move. Or he said, sometimes you make the right move and it doesn't work out. Other times you make a move that you can later maybe classify as the wrong move and you get away with it. And that's kind of what he felt like. He even said that. And again, just the accountability that I think he holds to himself is just really refreshing. It's not to say that Mike Schilt wasn't accountable. Mike Pathini kind of wasn't accountable, but you know, I, I really did appreciate Mike Schilt as a manager, but I think it's just so refreshing because there's with, with Ollie, there's no pretense and there's no, you know, he's going to let you know exactly kind of what he thinks about a situation. Even if that means hey, I did something that I wouldn't do again. He said, I, if you ask me if i do that again, i say no. I would leave Gorman in there, give him more opportunities to, to take at bats, not take the bat out of his hand in a situation where the team is sort of vibing and trying to make something happen. And so it was kind of interesting to hear him say that. But they're in that sixth inning prior to uh, Bader getting into the mix. Paul Goldsmith leads it off. You got... Arnado hitting the ball on the screws, doesn't get rewarded, but then they kept the line moving with O'Neal. Donovan doubles, Yepes with a base hit, setting things up for Dylan. Dylan goes two for four, two runs scored, and of course the big one, the three-run homer. And that would be really critical, I think, for the Cardinals if they can get Dylan Carlson going, right? You think about what this guy was kind of billed to be, 
as a top prospect, and it was really exciting when they called him up in 2020, but he struggled. You know, he had a hard time there for a while. And for that season, he had just a 200 batting average in 35 games. You remember they sent him back down, not to the minors, because in 2020 there was no minors. They sent him back to the alternate camp for a while, brought him back. He was batting cleanup by the end of the season, and in that little playoff series against San Diego, he was in the in the middle of their lineup, but just for the season, didn't really put it together. Last year he did. 780 OPS is not out of this world, but it's it's darn solid. 266 batter, 18 homers. And I think Carlson, I don't know if he's ever going to be that 20 home run guy that I kind of thought he could be. I shouldn't say ever. The kid's 23 years old, and inevitably he's going to come around, kind of develop maybe into some more power as he goes. But tonight the home run just is third of the season. Obviously spent some time on the injured list, and that's what I kind of wanted to make sure I touched upon because starting this season was definitely tough for Carlson. You look at his numbers through the end of April, just hitting 184 at the time with a 488 OPS, not very productive. But then before the injury, he injured the hamstring, remember, May 21st. But prior to that, you're seeing pretty steadily his numbers going up, his OPS climbing. And just so I don't get accused of going arbitrary endpoints on on what it was looking like for Dylan, I'll just go for the entire month of May with a 735 OPS for May. So that wasn't, again, 780 was the number that he had in 2021. I think he can be an 800 OPS guy at this level. Uh, but even if you want to get a little more arbitrary than I said initially that I didn't want to do, get through about, May 7th to May 21st, about a two-week stretch. He had a 309 average and an 824 OPS. So he really was starting to come around before the injury, and then the injury took him out of action for about three weeks, got into a minor league rehab assignment, kind of struggled, didn't get to see left-handed pitching while he was in the minors for about five games. That makes his home run today, I think, a little bit more impressive, the fact that he does that against a lefty from the right side. Because for a switch hitter, you would think that that would be a valuable thing. You might just take some at-bats from the right side just to to get him. But he said he's done a lot of work in the cage, trying to prepare for what it might look like for a left-handed pitcher, since that is something that he had not seen in a little while due to the injury, close to a month. Maybe not quite a month, but three, three four weeks-ish. And so he ends up getting the home run tonight off of a lefty from the right side of the plate. And uh, boy, it would just be a big deal, I think, for the Cardinals to be able to get him going Tyler O'Neill was kind of a similar story, right, with the slow start to the season for him. It, actually, it wasn't the start that was the problem for Tyler. He had a good, like, first week, and obviously opening day was a big day for him. Had the home run, five RBIs to lead the Cardinals to that win over Pittsburgh in the first game of the season. But he really did tail off from there in, in kind of a dramatic way. But I do want to make note about Tyler O'Neill as well while we're on the subject. 846 OPS and a 333 batting average over the six games that he's played since coming back from injury. And that was before tonight. So that was his numbers before today. Had another two for four today. Is still striking out a ton, but good to see O'Neal. I think he's starting to come around. So if you get him, if you get Carlson, those guys were billed as being central figures in your lineup before the season. If those guys can be that, Goldsmith can continue to be what he's been, which is a 335 batting average and an OPS over 1,000 still at 1017. Tommy Edmond is in the high 700s for OPS. Doing a nice job leading off. Gorman, I think, is going to settle into a B, maybe an 800 OPS guy. I think ultimately for 
for what kind of power he brings, that is the expectation for him to end up having enough slugging in his game, taking enough walks to keep that OPS above 800. Is at 806 right now, 273 average. I mean, you look up and down this lineup. If you get, I, I still feel O'Neill and Carlson really can be the keys to this whole thing to make this engine go on a more consistent basis. Donovan and Yepes were both in the lineup tonight. Donovan three for four, Yepes one for three. Good nights for those guys. I, you know, I don't know how long I can expect their numbers offensively to remain kind of what they've been, which is Yepes just barely below an 800 OPS, and Donovan's over 850. Just been really, really impressive. But man, I mean, if you if you kind of piece it together, that's the whole lineup. Like I just listed off what some of these guys have been doing. Edmund Gorman, good numbers for the season. Goldsmith, obviously fantastic. Arnado's got to get there a little bit more frequently, but the, the numbers are still strong. 836 OPS. Not by his standard, but just in general, it's pretty pretty good. Donovan Yepes mentioned them. And then O'Neill Carlson, the numbers are, are not good for the season. OPS is in the 600s, but they're coming on strong, I think, at the same time. And if they can really solidify that, that can make a massive difference for this team because suddenly you've got a, a lineup where, again, there there are really no holes. The catcher spot would be the only hole, but Kisner, I think he handled himself well with the bat tonight and kind of responding to the gauntlet being thrown down a little bit by Oliver Marmol after Sunday's game. That's a that's a really solid lineup if you can get that group going with that kind of consistency. Albert off the bench, he'll play against lefties. Makes sense. I mean, it could, you could have something there. And obviously, Bader didn't start tonight. His numbers are are a little low for what I think they expect of him. But the 257 average, he got maybe the kick in the pants from the manager by getting benched on Saturday. And listen, my thoughts on that, I think you bench a guy, and this is something that Cardinals fans have asked for in the past. I've seen him do it on Twitter and you know social media. When a guy's not showing effort or not, maybe living up to the expectations and the way he's carrying himself. That fans don't like that. Cardinals fans especially do not like that. Cardinals fans like to see good, clean baseball played. And so sometimes they drag on a guy because they're not seeing uh, the effort that they want to see. And then the manager just kind of turns a blind eye to it. And then you feel like, well, who's holding anybody accountable in that room? Well, Ollie certainly was holding Bader accountable, but is it, a little bit selective, where would would he do that to a Yadier Molina? Would he do that to a Pujols? Would he do that to some of the more veteran players? Well, I think the answer is outside of Pujols and Molina, you don't really get guys that are dogging it hardly at all. And when you do get it from those guys, you kind of can brush it off. I feel like, you know, you might say, well, that's a double standard. Well, yeah, it kind of is, but you're kind of okay with it. At least I am when I think about those two guys, 40 years old, 42 years old, you know, kind of on their last legs of their careers. We know it's their last year. And so if it's a, it's a ground ball double play, unless it's really kind of softly hit, you maybe don't see those guys busting it down the line. Yachty in particular, Albert does it occasionally. But the double standard question, I think I feel better about knowing the way that Marmol is handling it with a guy like Bader, because I don't think Bader's concerned about, oh, it's double standard. They didn't, you know, that he didn't make the, the Hall of Fame player do this. You know, he didn't make, why is he singling me out? That's not Bader's mentality, and I think that's great. Bader took it really well, by all accounts, uh, responded to it 
and uh, is is ready ready for the call when he when he gets it. I think that's kind of something that maybe could have awoken Harrison Bader a little bit, and and maybe we'll see that in his game over the next week or so. Certainly tomorrow will be a time to watch when you're playing in a hundred degree heat. It's probably I, I know they said today was at first pitch was the hottest temperature at Bush Stadium for a Cardinals game since the Mike Myers debut when he gave up nine runs against the Dodgers on Sunday night baseball a number of years ago. And so if that was the hottest, I know tomorrow's going to hit 100 and then the heat index is going to be whatever it is, but that they're playing at 12-15, so that's going to be the new hottest. It's got to be. Um, it's going to be a scorcher, and they got to play two games. So looking for what that looks like from Harrison Bader tomorrow. He could be a guy that if he, he brings the energy – to both games and, and can be a catalyst that could make a difference for the Cardinals. And so I feel like that's what Ali Marmol is aware of and is in tune with. He knows his players. I'm going to continue to give him credit as a communicator. I think he knows his players really well. And so if there's a guy that he thinks has more to give, like a Harrison Bader, that, that can be an energy guy, and he doesn't see that energy being displayed, that's an example where I think he does want to highlight that. He does want to call attention to that. And if that means he's going to bench a guy, then hopefully it only has to happen once, right? Like hopefully that's the time it happens and then you don't see it again because Harrison Bader responds appropriately to it and ends up performing. And, and whether he's performing or not, he's given the effort because when Harrison Bader is giving effort, it makes a difference. It really does. I think that's something that can translate to the rest of the team. And he's a guy that is very unique in that way. Like there are other players, Tommy Evans, like that. And Mundo Sosa, if he's going well, could be like that. There are guys on this roster. Donovan certainly is like that. He he goes hard at everything he does. But Bader, Bader is not a guy that you normally think of dogging it. Not me, anyway. I see him as a, a heart and hustle kind of player. And so the standard that he sets for himself, the standard that the team expects from him, wasn't being met on Saturday, and so that's why they benched him. But I think moving forward, uh, he can end up, being better for it and and responding to that in a positive way. But I mentioned his name because I was talking about the whole lineup. He's really the 10th guy because the lineup as it was today didn't feature him. And so he's, you know, he's going to be pretty much your everyday center fielder. And that's where it's going to get a little more tricky for guys like Donovan. Uh, Maybe guys like Yep has more, more likely because Donovan's just got to play. I mean, some way or another, you got to find a way to get him in there. But with the Cardinals being uh, evidently kind of reluctant to consider Gorman a DH on a regular basis, they'd rather have him play second base, which is fine. But if you're taking him out of the game late for defensive purposes and getting the right-hander Bader on the mound, like not on the mound, but in the box, I guess they must have brought in a lefty. I can't, I honestly can't remember. But Ali said he regretted the decision to take Gorman out then. I think, he, I think that was a fair thing to say because if you're going to say, yeah, we have to put him in the field because we want him to be a second baseman, we want him to get to, to play a defensive position and and be a complete player that way, you can't. I don't think you can punish him late in the game and take him out with the frequency that maybe they do sometimes. So that'll be kind of interesting to follow what opportunities he gets, Nolan Gorman, and then what which ones he keeps. Like if he starts a game, does he get to stay in it? We've seen him come into games after a team uses a left-handed starter and then pulls that starter for the bullpen later on, and then Gorman maybe comes in for a couple of at-bats, but this was kind of the reverse of that, and he ended up leaving the game early despite a one-for-three day, you know, handled himself fine. I'll be kind of interested to see the way that that goes, but it could end up meaning that Yepes just has fewer opportunities um, 
because Donovan can play right field, which is where Yepes was today. Donovan can play pretty much anywhere, and Donovan's been the better stick as of recently. They've both been good, but Donovan's been better. And so I think that's where Yepes is maybe going to get squeezed a little bit, but that's kind of your best-case scenario for the Cardinals. Like, if you have a guy like Yepes off your bench, that means that you, you, you've you got the team that you wanted at max health, and it's and it's hopefully producing. Carlson, O'Neal, pretty much going to be everyday players, and they both got multiple hits tonight. You need that to be the pinnacle of where the Cardinals can be and want to go. I think you need those two guys to be going. So it's interesting. There are interesting conversations about the lineup to be had, but uh, you, you really like the way things uh, shake out in a game like tonight where the Cardinals are able to score those seven runs on the answer. Didn't mention a, a whole lot about Goldsmith, but he did hit the home run that, that put the team in the lead in the seventh inning. And then I mentioned the Kisner bunt that ended up leading to a run in the eighth to account for the seven. But Goldsmith, I, I know I did talk about him a little bit, not a ton. I just want to kind of wrap up the show tonight mentioning him once again. The numbers have been just so impressive. He did drop down below a, a 1,000 OPS before tonight's game with the Ofer on Sunday. And, you know, the streak ended. He doesn't care about the streak ending. It just doesn't It just doesn't matter to him. He's going to be locked in on what he's doing every day. He's about the team and not the individual. And tonight, what he did individually allowed the Cardinals as a team to make it happen. And it was kind of nondescript the way he started off the game. You draw a walk. I think it was even like an infield single for his first base hit of the night. And so it's just kind of one of those things where Paul Goldschmidt, ho-hum, he's on base twice through two at-bats, and then he starts to turn it on. Hits the double, hits the homer, on base for the first four times, and uh, fell a triple short of the cycle. Pretty impressive stuff. He continues to be the Cardinals' best player right now. I don't think there's any doubt about that. You hope that Arnado can get back to a point where there's a conversation to be had between the two of those fellas, but uh, right now it's Paul Goldschmidt. It's been him this season. He's on an MVP sort of track, and uh, here's to hoping he finds a way to keep it. Just a quick touch on the bullpen. McFarland, I mentioned, had a really good sixth inning to uh, keep the Pirates scoreless and allow the Cardinals to kind of, I mean, you're within five. It doesn't feel like you're close, but had it gone to seven, kind of like they did on, on Sunday where they kept allowing the Reds to tack on late, then you make your push and it's not enough because you gave up those valuable insurance runs to the other side. So McFarland didn't do that. Inning in the third, scoreless, need it. Need it for him, too. He's just had a really rough year, and so that was good to see from him. Gallegos got the win, scoreless inning. Cabrera, uh, two-thirds of an inning. Gallegos finished the seventh, came back out for the eighth to throw to, I believe it was one batter before uh, Henesis came in, finished that out, and then Helsley throwing the ninth inning. He is this team's closer, 0. Uh, 0.37 ERA, I should say. Scoreless ninth, his fifth save of the season. And you look at Gallegos, 11 pitches. Cabby, only 10. Helsley, 12. Uh, Ollie didn't say for sure, but Cardinals manager, hopeful that uh, you'll have all four of those guys, and probably McFarlane included. But Gallegos, Cabrera, and Helsley in particular, all four available for tomorrow. And you're going to need at least the trio for tomorrow because there's two games. So the fact that they were able to secure this win, despite being down 5-0 at one point, and then none of their main three relievers threw more than 12 pitches. 
that's really a good thing for what Tuesday could bring. Cardinals need to try and go for the sweep against the Pirates uh, in terms of the doubleheader on Tuesday, which would then set them up for a potential sweep in four games on Wednesday. But we'll see what ends up happening. I'm sure those relievers would be uh, ready to get into a game if they're needed because they just didn't have to throw very much today. Uh, here's to hoping that for tomorrow the Cardinals' bullpen can keep it going and that the offense can maybe get it going a little bit earlier in the proceedings. Game one's going to be 12-15 from Bush Stadium. Pitching matchup for that, Matthew Libertor coming back. He'll take on JT Brubaker. And then game two is going to be Miles Michaelis against Bryce Wilson. Bryce Wilson, ERA of 7.5. I think he had a, a solid outing earlier this season against the Cardinals, I want to say. I know he pitched against the Cardinals. I just can't remember if it was a good one. I think it was a situation where uh, Cardinals definitely should have destroyed the guy because when you've got an ERA like seven and a half, you you want to make sure you're doing you're doing well against the guy. Uh, they've actually faced him. Oh no, I was totally wrong. I was totally wrong. They faced him on May twenty second, and he gave up seven runs. Actually, faced him in April, and he gave up three runs in four innings. But yep, he was he had one of the the doozies, and then I guess he's been on the injured list because this is going to be his first start back. Either that, or they send him to the minors, which is totally possible. But uh, yeah, so that'll essentially be consecutive big league starts for Bryce Wilson against the Cardinals in the night game on Tuesday. He gave up seven runs last time. No reason the Cardinals can't do it to him again this time. And be interested to see what maybe Matthew Libertor is able to bring to the table in the day game. I assume he's getting called up as the twenty seventh man. For the doubleheader, he's going to pitch game one. Uh, Andre Pallante will start on Wednesday, by the way. So it's a little bit of a makeshift rotation for the Cardinals, especially when you have these doubleheaders continue to pop up. But this is a great opportunity for Libertor. Uh, gets another game against the Pirates, which his first start was in Pittsburgh. And so another chance to see these guys. Hopefully he's able to get it done. Brubaker's a more solid arm than I would say Wilson is for the Pirates, but Definitely a guy that the Cardinals can get to. And so I'll be very intrigued to see what tomorrow looks like, what Tuesday looks like. It's technically today, but you get the gist. So we'll end up uh, dropping back in, I think, for another podcast on Tuesday night to wrap up the doubleheader from Tuesday. So make sure you subscribe to Be Shaved Daily, all the places you get your podcast, so that you don't miss a thing as we continue to break down Cardinals baseball all season long. Appreciate you guys, as always, for dropping in. We'll talk to you next time on Be Shaped Daily. Peace.